Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media Show that's about everything literary, books, comic books, web comics, manga, and everything else you might be reading. We are here to talk about it. As always, I'm your host, Keith. And unfortunately, my stalwart sidekick is not available. He has fallen. He is currently somewhere in the woods, fake fighting with friends. I love you, Josue. I'm not meaning to make fun of your uh, LARPing ways, but yeah. He's He's only uncomfortable by how much fun that sounds to him deep down. (laughs) He's off having fun. I'm happy for him. He needed a vacation. Neither of us have missed an episode of Issues since we started. Mm-hmm. So, which is over two years ago, and that's crazy to me. We did have a brief break last week around the holidays, or last year around the holidays, but other than that, yeah. So, but as you guys can probably tell, I'm not alone. Uh, I am joined by our producer. Uh, so, whenever Batman and Robin have a you know story, Robin has to go away for an episode or two. Maybe they bring Batgirl, Batwoman in, maybe Huntress. So, consider Liz our Huntress. Uh, Liz, our producer. Liz, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello. Yep. I um I'm the one that uh doesn't have the attention span to read the big two comics that these guys review of every week. <laughs> yeah. I mean to be fair, Josue like he, he really digs some big two comics, but he doesn't get nearly as many as I do. Like I'm yeah. really the one who like overdoes it with the big two. But I'm a Marvel boy, as we all know, I always have been, so um, so Liz, for those who don't know, is our producer. Liz is also one of my oldest friends. Uh, so basically, me and Liz have been doing a podcast talking about geeky things for almost 10 years now. It's just we never recorded it. It's just our normal conversations. This is yes. we constantly recommending things to each other. Liz is also one of the few people, and she'll take this as a compliment because she understands how rare this is. This is one of the few people that can get me to change my opinion on things. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which we won't talk about the Green Knight. Because, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, and she also introduced me to a lot of things like uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and Full Metal Alchemist. A lot of manga, actually. A lot of web comics, things like that. So, um, so yeah, we're used to talking to each other about stuff. I think this will go pretty easily and well. Um, now, the key to this is normally me and Josue all read books and we talk about it. Now, Liz re- did read some comics, but Liz is way busier than me, so she couldn't read every comic I had. Plus, I don't want her to read Marauders 24 and have to read Marauders 1 through 23 to understand what the fuck is going on. So she did read some of the books, but mostly I'm going to be talking to her about the books that I read and just kind of getting her feedback, see, seeing if she has any questions. Maybe it's the same, same questions you guys might have. So a um, little bit unique dynamic here, but I think it'll go pretty good. And maybe we'll do this again in the future if it does. So with that said, we typically jump into news. Liz, do you have anything you want to add before we jump in? Sorry, I'm still thinking about the chopped news. Yes. Sorry, I I don't mean to laugh. I'm laughing because it's awkward. That's the only thing that came to mind. (laughs) As we began recording, literally as I hit record, Liz found out that a chopped junior contestant died at 17. It's really sad. It's sad, but it's just like it caught us off guard because we're like comics, 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 and it's just like what? I know. I, I I also misread it. I thought it said Chop Junior Star dies at age seven, and I was just like, I I had already clicked <laughs> to load the recording thing, and I was like, no, I have to go back. I have to find that story. What happened? Um, no, I don't know. Did you already tell them that Wayne Family Adventures is getting a live adaptation? That's our first bit of news, actually. Woo! So thank All you. right. So, for as we know, DC has a partnership with Webtoon now, and one of the books, one of the the digital comics, is called Batman Wayne Family Adventure, which has been a treat 
let me tell you. Um, it's basically about the Bat Family, which is a book that me and Liz have always wanted. Uh, so uh, they did announce that in a partnership with actually a YouTuber of all things, uh, Ismahawk, they're going to be doing at least a three-part live a- action adaptation of the comic. And they announced the cast. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I know I'm excited about this, Liz. Uh, you're a big Bat Family person with me, so... Uh, Very excited. Very excited. (laughs) Finally. Finally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I like the casting quite a bit. Um, You know, a lot of these people are, you know, not really well-known people. But, I mean, this is their chance to kind of make their their impact, you know, and that's kind of cool. And for those who don't read the comic, it's it's just so much fun. Like, it's everything that the Bat family should be in their downtime that we never get to see because comics are about the action and the drama and like it's yeah pace yeah what we can talk about it i guess when we review it but it's a really cute if you liked um the bat family stuff before the new 52 this is basically um you know you will enjoy this most likely and uh yeah the teaser is out on the youtube channel so if you want to check out what the show will look like uh there's a little teaser out right now yeah well, you know what? Actually, let's go ahead and review it now because we typically don't review digital comics um, oh, yeah. in the section. Webtoon so, coming up. <laughs> Webtoon's great. Uh, Liz is the one who introduced me to Webtoon, and now I follow like six Webtoons. Um, and yeah, I, I really, I really am digging this one. Uh, the most recent one is Vigilante Bingo. Yes. Where uh, I love that they brought in Duke because he is the new Robin in like the comics. He's like been Robin most recently of all them. And so they're bringing him in as kind of like the outsider, the audience surrogate to experience the wildness that is the Wayne family, the bat family as it is. And yeah, that's kind of what it is here is he gets a, he gets another like dot on his bingo card, vigilante bingo. And then they just run through various categories and it's so much fun. I love that Cass is there. I know. Partaking. <laughs> It's really cool. Like, so much. Again, <laughs> like this comic does this comic honestly feels to me like you found like a really cool fan artist on Tumblr who would draw like these comics, you know, of their own headcanon version of the Bat family. And it's the best. And you're like, dang, why can't DC just like, you know, do this version? That's what reading this comic feels like to me. So I'm really glad that this team, I think they they've done something like really enjoyable and I'm just so happy. I mean, for years, I've been wanting to experience the Bat family, like where they're, they feel like a family. Like, I'm not even kidding, where they feel like before the new 52 reset everything mm-hmm. as it did. Um, I really enjoyed the dynamic of DC's books back then. And I still, it's, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. They had to, what is it, hit their crisis button, you know, just when things <laughs> are getting good. <laughs> All right, our next cat, our next uh, article, I should say, of news is going to be about Mad Cave Comics. Uh, Mad Cave is a uh, studio that me and Josue listen to a bit or re- read a bit. Excuse me, um, not a ton, but Josue does definitely more than I do. Um, they've actually announced a whole host of books coming out next year, uh, including Speed Republic, uh, Obsidian Tomb. I'm not going to go over the creative team for each of these because there's a bunch. Potions Inc., Tiger's Tongue. One of the big ones, though, is Nottingham A King's Ransom, which is a sequel to the Nottingham book that Josue has been reviewing for us. He will probably go ahead and review that one, too, because he really, really enjoyed that book. Also, a world-class 
good game, well played. And one I thought Liz would kind of dig called uh, In the Shadow of the Throne, just to give an idea what the art looks like. That one does look very cool. Looks that almost looks like, like some high to, right? fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, and it's, it's from what I can tell, it's written and drawn by women. So um, let's see. I'll read you the sum- summary. When his younger siblings and parents become too much to bear while on vacation, Jordan tries to get some space. But instead of wandering around the local museum, Jason finds himself uh, dropped into a fantasy world where he can finally have fun. Except in this elven kingdom, a sinister secret kept hidden by the queen thrusts him, the rebellious prince, uh, thrusts him, the rebellious prince Astol, and the brave knight Sir Griffith in the middle of a magical battle they never could have anticipated. Oh, so, yeah. No, that's like my biggest guilty pleasure is honestly people from our world getting dropped into magical fantasy worlds and going on a big adventure like i know it's so trophy and like mary sue-ish but man do i like eat that i eat it up (laughs) yeah no i got you it looks great to me too and i really like the art so Mm -hmm. um so yeah alice in wonderland type (laughs) yeah totally and uh labyrinth yeah so um awesome and then the next article i want to bring up is just a quick one um we know that the X-Men are currently in flux in the books. So a lot of the books are getting canceled or replaced by other books. They're obviously doing like some kind of shift in everything. I personally think it's all planned. Some people are reacting like, oh, they're canceling because it it's not selling. No, this was the plan, I think. Uh, but one thing we discovered is that the team for Marauders appears to be changing up. Um, so returning is Kitty Pride as the leader, which is great because Kitty Pride and Marauders is great. She's also going to be joined by a returning member, Bishop, which is cool. But new Marauders include Psylocke, which is going to be uh, Quanin, the Asian Psylocke. Nice. Uh, Dokken, or as we call him, Akihiro, because we understand that Dokken is an insult to him. Uh, Aurora, who recently entered into a relationship with Dokken, so that's interesting. Um, Tempo, who is a former bad guy of the X-Men that has like time control powers. And really they're trying to push her to be a big deal right now. Um, and Somnus, who is a character who just appeared earlier this year for the first time. Um, so yeah, I don't know if this is going to be a permanent change or cause it's in the Mar- Marauders annual, but I'm curious to see if that's how the group changes up for the most part. I like it. I miss Pyro. I love Pyro and Marauders. Uh, so that's the only thing I'll say. So, <laughs> nice. uh, it- and then in the last bit news, Skybound, uh, which is a division of Image that everybody knows as the Walking Dead, uh, Walking Dead people and Invincible and such. Um, apparently, they have a deal with Lego, and they're going to be producing the first Lego comic book. What does this mean? We don't know. Their tease says, "What is the top secret very first Lego comic book?" So you'll find out here, along with look at art from Spoiler. Yeah, that's right. Spoiler is the first Lego comic book featuring the return of other Spoiler. What does it mean? So they're teasing us. But we're going to get the Skybound um, Expo on October 29th, and we'll probably find out exactly what that all is at that point. So that's all the comic news. Liz, do you got anything you want to mention? Um, Yes. So a while back, um, I was reading and providing a review of the comic Orcs by Boom. Uh, I'm sorry, by Christine Larson, published mm-hmm. by Boom. Um, the first trade is going to be coming out on my birthday, November 23rd. 
Awesome. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that can it's being sold. I think like Amazon, Target, of course, your local comic book store can order it for you mm-hmm. if they aren't going to have any on hand. And Christine Larson's Twitter um, does have a uh, code, I believe, you can get for a discount or like, you know, a percentage off if uh, anyone is so inclined. So I know I'll be ordering it because I would like to get it um, as a happy birthday to me. <laughs> <laughs> well that's pretty cool like i'm glad to see it's getting a trade that's usually a good sign yeah oh uh, yeah it got it there is going to be i think six more issues she said whether or not there will be more i don't know but i do hope i mean i hope there will because yeah i um i really enjoyed it it was uh for anyone who's interested um if you liked lord of the rings and you liked the orcs in lord of the rings and you wondered What's up with them? I wonder what they're doing. Um, This comic would probably be for you because this comic follows uh, a band of orcs that get themselves kicked out of their little uh, home, their, their, their village or tribe in their cave. And they have to go out and basically kind of make it on their own. And um, they did get kicked out because they did shenanigans and annoyed, (laughs) basically, you (laughs) know, shenanigans is the word. Yeah. (laughs) Shenanigans. Yeah. So they're, they're a little bit of a screw up, but um, yeah, it's a nice little like, band now that's traveling around the world and it's uh it isn't set in tolkien's world but um it's like it's got a similar vibe you know in Mm. my opinion so that's why i would say like if you like tolkien if you like the movies lord of the rings or the books um it it has elves and the elves are funny yeah (laughs) um and they're pretty cool too so yeah, it was a cute little adventure, like all ages, and um, I'm excited to uh, get the rest of them when they come out. So, yep, very distinct cartoony art style, which I dug too. So. Yeah, she's a great artist. I love her um, art, and I love the comics, and I love the style, and it's really cool. Like she hand draws it, I think, and paints them like herself, and it's hmm. just a really unique look. So very easy nice. to read, and yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I had fun reading it when it was coming out. So. Yep, worth the $15. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right, guys. Well, we're going to jump straight into our books for the week. It's one of our smaller weeks, uh, half due to Hostway not being here and half due just not a lot of books came out. But we're going to go through what we have. And longtime viewers of our show know that we start not with a bang, but a boom, boom studios. And I only got one boom book this week, but it is a good one. It's Magic the Gathering number seven. Check out this variant cover I got. It's like a black and white sketch. Pretty cool. And written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Iguara, colored by Ariana Consoni, and letter by Ed Dukeshire. So this is continuing the uh, the tale of the the guild pack, the the um, the uh, planeswalkers who are working together to stop the bad guys. Um, this is kind of cool. It, it's kind of starting, I, I want to say a new arc, but like a new direction. They basically invade and stop the bad guys. But the problem is, is that the true bad guy is coming, which we've been teased with the entire time. Merit Lodge, the iced bound mother. Basically, they're able to stop the bad guy, but they find out that a comet is coming. And they're like, oh, don't worry. A comet's just a big piece of ice. And as we know, Merit Lodge is all about the ice. So we got a big fight coming, which is really cool. Um, I really like the art for this book, uh, Liz. So, like, you can see, like, this is a big metal dragon coming flying in, attacking people. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Blue eyes, white like dragon. <laughs> I like the characters' designs a lot. Uh, the three main characters is this dude who's like an electric dude, this chick who is like um, a gorgon, 
and then uh, her. Uh, she, so they're all like different leaders of different guilds in. Maddox, so like two so. humans and a gorgon, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, but the gorgon's really cool. She's she's actually become my favorite character in the story. So that's good. Um, but yeah, really enjoying it. Uh, not too much to talk about because it's just you know it's continuing the story, but a really cool fight scene too. So. Uh, next up, we're going to switch over to IDW. Uh, IDW, this week I only have one book again. Uh, Star Wars The High Republic Adventures. Uh, written by Daniel Jose Older, art by Tony Bruno, colors by Rebecca Nolte, and letter by Johanna Natalie. This is number nine. I talked to you briefly about this, about this kid. Yeah. The skull in his head. Like the Pokemon. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> like Cubone, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so this book... Um, just to give Liz a, like a, a, a kind of lowdown. So the High Republic is the one, the big push they're making for the story that happened thousands of years before even the prequels. Uh, so not a lot of canon characters are actually around. Uh, the We've only seen two canon characters so far. One is Yoda and the other appears in this book. So um, basically it it's not, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> um so this book is a it's this is more of an all ages book compared to the others, and it's uh, based around a group of Padawan that are all kind of like working together to become Jedi, and it's cute, and um, you can kind of see like a little group shot of them here, not super like mm-hmm. visually arresting or anything in that shot because it's kind of small. But this one, his name is Court, which is K or Q O R T, and he was raised as an orphan on a planet with. Oh, um, Maz Kanata. Maz Kanata, yeah. Wow, yes. dang. So she and Yoda really do go way time. back. She was old back then too. They couldn't have made her young looking. <laughs> Oda, Yoda looks old too. I know. What I'm the kinda, heck? Like they couldn't I'm, have. I'm kind of wondering if they're the same race and where they're not telling us. That would honestly be really funny. Um, yeah, but she she's still her old self. She's still a pirate queen, as they refer to her. She she lives on the same planet we see in Episode Seven. Okay, well, that's uh, so, a little boring. I mean, how many thousands of years is this supposed to be back? Or hundreds? Several. Several. Several thousands? Okay. Uh, yeah, this is comparable little... to the Knights of the Round era of Star Wars, is the idea. So. Okay. But Jedi instead of Knights. So, uh, But yeah, basically, you find out she raised this guy as, as, a, um, as an orphan. And we find out a bunch about his, his background, which is really cool. His people, they when they're children, they go on a hunt for this crab thing. And they take its skull and they wear the skull until it bursts uh, off their head. And that's like their coming of age ceremony. Well, when he was abducted by child slavers, apparently, um, he uh, they left the, the skull behind. They didn't take it with them. So he doesn't have this thing. Well, he's snooping in her basement, much like Ray did in episode seven. And he finds one and puts it on. And how fucking cute is this picture? Oh, it's a little baby wearing like a little baby <laughs> goblin wearing like a giant skull. That's a crab. Yeah. That doesn't even look like a crab skull, but yeah. It, well, it looks the crab looks like this. Oh, so yeah. Okay, but yeah. So basically, we find out more about him slowly but surely. They're introducing us, introducing us to more and more characters. I mean, um, kind of cool. It's starting to sound a little bit like the Mandalorian, but you know, the alien <laughs> version. No. No, no, no. This is like a huge group of kids and okay. they're actually with the Jedi. They're, it's they're, Jedi they're Academy. It's Jedi Academy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so um and most of it was about a specific Padawan. The first six issues basically was about mm-hmm. one specific Padawan. But now they're open up the whole group and they're slowly introducing those characters. Uh 
from uh, all, from youngling to Padawan. <laughs> also, one of the Jedi they work with is one of my favorite Star Wars characters ever. There's, you don't really get a good shot of him in this issue, but he's right there. Oh yeah, he's like, uh, what's that race with the big like tentacle things coming out of their heads? Twilight, Twilight, right? Twilight, yeah, sure. Yeah, the male yeah, that's right. Character. Actually, his name is Buckets of Blood. And he, he's very proper, but he also calls himself Buckets of Blood. So that's, that's adorable. Great. I love him. So yeah, it's good stuff. I like how the High Republic comics are all starting to come together with this struggle with the Nihil. It's just curious to see where it okay. goes. Okay, so we have the High Republic, and then came the Old Republic, and then came what the New Republic. The yes. low before the high one was it the low one the lower republic? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> don't question, I'm just don't, saying. Don't like, put me on the spot with Star Wars trivia on my show list. <laughs> like, I, I no. mean, I'm just seriously like I'm just laughing. It's like it's, they really yeah. like the republics for uh, <laughs> thousands yeah. of year. Yeah, it's really working. I mean, for on, them. honestly, they really haven't dug because I haven't read the novel yet. Mm-hmm. I've only read the comics. I have it. I just haven't read it yet. Um, I don't know exactly the political system. Mostly, I only see the Jedi stuff right now. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, do people get to vote? I mean, it's a republic, right? So, but not maybe not a democratic republic. It's okay. it's yeah. I mean, like obviously, we know from the prequels, it was kind of like a representative democracy, right. not so much. And the trade routes thing. were incredibly important to the stability <laughs> yes. of that democracy. <laughs> Uh, don't make me think about the prequels. Anyways, moving <laughs> on. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna switch publishers again, and we're gonna talk about Black Mask Studios. Man, did I miss talking about Black Mask? Um, for those who don't know, Black Mask does two major books that we talk about every time they come up. The recently finished Alice in Leatherland, which was wonderful, and oh, and in case anyone was wondering, I did get a copy of Alice in Leatherland number five physically. Uh, I know there was an issue; where I had to read it digitally first, but yeah. But this one is the other book we read from Black Mask and one of my favorite books, Destiny New York, number six. Um, written by Pat Chan, illustrated by Rosie Comp, letter by Jim Campbell. Uh, so this starts the new arc. Uh, in order to get Liz on board, because I thought this is a book that she would actually really dig in the end, um, I had to read the first volume. So read the first volume and this issue. That is the so best first... way for me to read comics, to be honest. I hate yeah, having to read like one. Me little five pages a month <laughs> like i'm sorry i know that they take a long well, this time is not to a floppy person like, yeah i'm all. not a floppy person well this book's weird because the the volumes came first he oh. did it through a kickstarter as a graphic novel that's and so, so and then he made a partnership with black mass to reissue it as issues so that's why this is black mask and if you look at the graphic novel it doesn't have the black mass sign on it oh okay that's so really self published those so yeah mm-hmm. but this way he can like re re uh reissue it and like we can really enjoy it so uh but yeah so first of all is what did you think of destiny New york so far knowing you haven't read the whole series yet so okay yeah so i read the first five issues um it's okay i mean it doesn't have it hasn't really grabbed me um but it's it's piqued my interest enough to keep going I guess mm-hmm. like I, my honestly, my main thing was I felt the pacing was off. And I understand if that's because, you know, it was maybe it felt like a pilot TV episode where it's like everything has to make it in there and it has to be resolved because, you know, you're not really sure if it's going to get renewed. Mm-hmm. So it's just way too fast. And um, it didn't feel satisfying, I guess, like the first arc didn't feel very satisfying to me. There were some characters I I was starting to like and kind of get invested in, but I just felt like when it came to the the big, you know, accumulation of like 
um, the, they confront the villain mm-hmm. uh, and they defeat it. Like, it just didn't feel satisfying at all to me. So I was kind of just like, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, you know, I did. That being said, I did kind of like issue six a bit better. I do feel like this one is a bit more like, okay, we got like the pilot episode out of the way. Now we're going to do like actual episode one, you know, where mm-hmm. they go into actually kind of, uh, we'll see. I don't know. I, I do want to continue reading it. I was a bit like meh, but uh, v- v- issue six did make me kind of be like, okay, I think I'm going to give, you know, the next six, five issues another chance. Um, to see if it grabs me. Um, I did. So the whole concept was basically like uh, there's a magical school in New York where if you are a kid who has a prophecy made about you, like Harry Potter, you know, um, you can go to this school and you can get your education. It's K through graduate school. Um, And yeah, you'll get an education as well as getting um, what is it? I want to say, uh, magic training you know like training to fulfill Mm -hmm. your prophecy um you get support for that which is a really cool idea i do really dig the concept um so i I was i I do want to stick with it they have some cool characters they've uh the main character is uh honestly was not that engaging for me but um maybe she'll get better i don't know (laughs) um okay so um yeah, I think you hit it on the head that volume two is where it really kicks off. I I, I really was sold on the concept for the mm-hmm. first volume. Um, and it was volume two that really hooked me with the characters. Um, there's also a pretty important character that you've met but doesn't matter yet. I'll just spoil it for you because it's in the next issue, I think. Um, so when Lilith's sister, when they go fight Lilith's sister and her people, uh, she has... She well no well yeah that was in the first volume people have heard this already okay um one of her hirelings is like a blonde girl that talks a lot of trash yeah didn't care she for her. becomes one of the main characters oh you'll okay. like her though I think you'll like her because she she reminds me so much of characters you like I think you'll like her basically she's like she applies to get a job at the coffee shop doesn't realize they all work there basically oh and man and then they like, beat her they beat her up right no no they're, she's they're just like let's give her a chance and she actually becomes really cool she's one of my favorite characters she makes the book much better and i think it makes it round rounded out a lot more um and just i think i think what you're saying about like the con- conflict of the first volume it definitely yeah i could definitely see where it was rushed but I'm also looking at it from someone who's read multiple volumes and I know that's not over. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, so. I, I, I'm like, I'm sh- I'm sure it gets bad, but it just felt like a pilot TV, you know, TV episode where you're like, okay, that was yeah. all right. It was all right. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm willing to give the rest of the series a shot and kind of see where, because the, the, honestly, the characters were like when it was just letting the characters interact and do stuff mm-hmm. that wasn't, you know, like just kind of like hang out and argue or date or whatever. I, I, I was liking it. It's a, kind of like a fun world. It makes it feel like kind of like a sitcom, I guess, with like a, a you know, magical side line on there. So um, that was good. Yeah, but no, the main character, though, wasn't that engaging. Logan, she's very bland uh, for right now. Um, not my cup of tea. Uh, her girlfriend, Lilith, though, is pretty dope. Even her other oh, ex-girlfriend, well. Bailey, was cool. Like, honestly, all the people she dates, even Gia, who she hooked up with, they're all cooler than the main character. So I don't know if this main character is supposed to be, like, an <laughs> uh, audience insert. but She is, basically. Yeah, all her girlfriends are way cooler than her, um, especially Lilith. Um, I really like Lilith. 
uh, who is like, I think like, I don't know, like she's like this, uh, I, I guess like, you know, like the, the perfect lesbian, depi- like the like the perfect yeah. lesbian, like that you'd want to date, I think, if you're a lesbian. L- lesbian dreamboat. <laughs> yeah, lesbian dreamboat. Yeah, no, seriously. It's like Prince Charming, but, you know, a lesbian. So that's really cool. Yeah. I really like her. Um, uh, I like Anthony actually a lot. I like that kind of character. He's, he's a important. Yeah, he's like one of the people that can do the prophecies. What's cool yeah. about his character design is like instead of like regular eyes, he has like all black eyes with like stars you know appearing Mm. in them i guess that's an indicator that you're a seer is what they call or prophet and um yeah i liked him a lot i liked lilith a lot uh everyone else i was warming up to um joe what is it joe wrong the harry i I was like i have to ask what do you yeah the harry Harry okay so there is like a character that solely exists i I should tell you Mm mm-hmm He's very important to the story. Oh, I, I'm sure. No, he literally is a character that just exists to make fun of Harry Potter. Like, at least in the first couple issues. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, he's just there to be like a Harry Potter caricature that just, you know, everybody's annoyed by. And um, it's, you know, kind of funny, but the joke also is like, all right, I, I get it. It's it's Harry Potter. Um, but issue it's, six... It's he, not as clear of a comparison as you might think later on. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like that so, started as a joke and then the creator was like, the author's like, okay, I'm going to flush this character out a bit and make it like its own character because that's the impression I kind of got with uh, the sixth issue. Like, okay, they're kind. he's not just, you know, being a Harry Potter-like caricature, so... That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Unless he's actually supposed to be Voldemort and, you know, he's going to kill Harry Potter because that'd be really funny. <laughs> I'm actually typing a, a spoiler to Liz because I don't want to say on the show. So. Okay. Um, but Oh, yeah, that's lame. Does. I don't like that at all. <laughs> it's dumb. It, that's dumb. That is dumb. Okay, fine. No, it's it's done really well. I promise. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. His scar on his head, instead of a lightning bolt, it's a... Um, it, mark with the little thing off of it like yeah it's it, well it's almost like it's like supposed to be a like is it interobang interobang you know like the exclamation mark with the question mark over it but they split sure. off into two and it looks really bad yeah so i don't i don't care for that otherwise the he's design is fine huh he's great yeah i like him he's a lot he's so fun. yeah destiny um, new york i will continue reading it um i am lukewarm on it for now but i'm hoping it gets better because the art is honestly really cool i really I like the art it's a black and white comic which is kind of like i i do like that it's a little bit of sometimes too much of a gray like gray tones i wish they would do more higher contrast um with the art but um that's just my preference though other yeah. than that that just makes it easier for me to read it um, other than that, though, I really like the style and it's honestly a really well-made book, especially since this guy mm. like self-published. It's a really well-made. Um, it's really impressive. So I'm glad that the, it's serialized with the studio now. So the artist also changes from volume to volume, but it's always oh, no looks way. really it looks really similar. Dang. OK, but, I was wondering, but, I kind of felt like issue yeah. six felt a bit different. So yep. but I, I honestly just thought, oh, the artist is getting more comfortable drawing it. Yeah, looks <laughs> No, that's that's the Rosie Comp. She she took us over. She does volume two. Got so, it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'll look forward. And to then it. also, there's a lot of backup stories at the end of each volume, little short stories that help flesh out characters. Those are cute. Those I are do like by different those. artists too. So yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. Awesome. Well, let's move on and talk about Dark Horse Comics for a moment. Um, I got one Dark Horse book, and it's called Last Flight Out Number Two, and it's number two. So you guys know I don't go too into much detail with number twos. 
written excuse me, written and co-created by Mark Guggenheim, drawn and co-created by Eduardo Ferragato, colored by Natalia Marquez, and lettered by Diego Sanchez. Um, this one, as you guys might remember, uh, basically the world's coming to an end because of climate change. There's one scientist who built these giant arcs that can get people off the planet. Two of them have already launched. The last one's about to launch. And he wants to get on it, but he needs to go get his daughter. And she refuses to go with him. And so uh, basically he's given a group of uh, soldiers to go with him to go get, get her back from the badlands of Chicago. Um, I really like this book. Uh, this one doesn't have like a lot of the like little in jokes and stuff from the first one. Basically, those, there are end of the world deniers, of course, that are just like the world's not ending. Washington wants you to think the world's ending. They just want to take your land and all the stupid stuff. So um, it gets really dumb and political, but it's very much ending is the thing. So um, they basically make it to Chicago. And now they're basically imagine if Chicago was worse. And that's basically where we're at. So um, (laughs) it's really cool. I really like Chicago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They do meet his daughter at the end of the issue. I'm not going to tell you guys what happens because it's the kind of thing we don't spoil. It's a cool little moment. And curious to see where it goes um really digging it it is two of six so it is a mini but yeah really enjoying that moving on let's talk about aftershock comics aftershock i got three books this week um liz didn't read any of these uh but i'm gonna go ahead and get her opinions as we go first one is a new series and it's called chicken devil okay i tried to read that one Spoilers. Number one, <laughs> written by... She didn't have time to read everything. So, written by Brian Buccellato, drawn by Hayden Sherman, letter by Hassan Atzmane El-Hau. Um, so, HOE. Love me some HOE. Uh, he's great. Um, so, basically, this is about a man who owns a chain of chicken restaurants, I believe, in California. Yeah, I was in California. And his partner betrays him and starts working with the mob and moving drugs. Long story short, something bad happens. A bunch of product is destroyed and the mob starts targeting him. He tries to escape with his family. They get onto a boat without him. And then he's like, Oh, I need to run back and grab something. And while he's running back, the boat explodes and his entire family's dead. So now he's out for vengeance, but he is no John wick. Uh, he is very much a normal guy. Uh, he ends up uh, basically finding out that some of the drugs are being kept in a gym locker. And he's like, well, I need to go get those and get, give back to them. He wears a chicken head costume. A guy comes in, tries to stop him. The dude slips and shoots himself in the head and kills himself. And we're left with the guy being like, oh, God, what do we do? So it's, it's a start to the story. Um, it is appropriately ludicrous. Um, which I, I, you know, it's going to be a weird action story and stuff. Um, it did make me hungry for chicken. I will say that he kept talking about his fried chicken and how great it is. I'm like, Ooh, that sounds good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, the highlight for me was one panel where he's like, he's trying to go into the gym. He's like, all right, I can't risk being seen here. What to do? And he walks in with the chicken head on, walks past the guy at the counter and, uh, and the guy says, um, he doesn't even look up. He goes, clean towels in the locker room. Watch your step. Just mop the floor. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, that looked terrifying. 
that yeah. <laughs> just see a dude just, it wasn't a cute no, chicken I'm, head it was like no a it's gr- terrifying grotesquely, it's almost like an owl actually yeah like a grotesquely realistic looking one <laughs> yeah but yeah i just love he just walks in all casually and the guy doesn't even look up he's like yeah towels are over there like that reminds me of, of our gym like i don't think i've ever spoken to the people at the front counters we checked in we just walked right past them they're always talking to somebody else so that's funny to me all right next up is another aftershock book uh almost american number two written by ron mars drawn by marco castiello colored by flavio dispenza and letter by russ wuton this is the one oh and by the way created by janosh newman this is the one that is based on a true story but of janosh newman's life where he was a russian spy who defected to the u.s and it's really cool it's him and his wife it's kind of like the americans but the other way around and um Basically, this issue, the first issue, we see him defect. We see him basically explain who he is and stuff. In the second issue now, we're getting a complete background story behind him in his entire life. Um, and it's just really interesting. It, it focuses a lot on the relationship between him and his wife and like how they genuinely love each other, how they met each other and everything. Um, and yeah, they're just constantly getting interrogated by the CIA and FBI. There's obviously a power struggle between the two trying to get information from them. And then there's also a hint that maybe someone's looking for them. So um, I dug this one, but again, in issue two, we don't dig too much into those because that's the beginning of the arc. So that takes me to my final Aftershock book, Seven Swords, number four. Now, I want Liz to read this book eventually because I love it, but written by, uh, excuse me, written by Evan Dougherty, drawn by Federico Dallacciot, uh, colored by Valentina Bianconi, and lettered by Dave Sharp. This one, you guys might remember, is the one where we're gathering all the greatest swordsmen on the planet together to stop Cardinal Richlau uh, because he wants to get this, the blade of Lucifer. And if he makes it, he puts it together again, then the devil will take over the world. And we got all these characters. No, <laughs> <laughs> we got all these characters like Don Juan. Uh, we got, um, of course, D'Artagnan and Cyrano de Bergerac and just all these classical characters. So my literature nerd is going crazy. And then also we're getting, um, it's just all swordplay and fun. Like it's just so cool. So in this story, they find out that the blade of Lucifer, the blade portion of it is being kept in the Vatican archives and it becomes a heist story where they have to get down there and um, they have to cause a disruption basically to bring the Pope out of the Vatican, at least the main building, the papal residence, so they can sneak in with someone disguised as him because he's the only one who can go down in the archives. There's so many jokes to make, but... Don't even get me started. (laughs) um, But they do a really cool thing. They basically break into the aqueduct that provides all the water for the Vatican and bust open a ton of casks of wine, which causes the fountain outside to spew Mm -hmm. wine. And everybody's like... The fountain has turned water into wine. Bring the Pope. He must witness this. And that's how they get him out, basically. He has to witness the miracle. Ah, uh, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, they do They do uh, a disguise as the Pope, and they break in and everything. And then in the end, they get they end up getting caught because, you know, never can go right. And then we get the reveal of Cardinal Richelieu with the blade. And this is to be concluded. The next issue is the last issue. And that really makes me sad because... We've really been enjoying this book. It's so much fun. And again, swashbuckling, sword and sorcery kind of stuff. I just dig that. So, And with a couple of really cool uh, characters that some of them which I don't know. And so I'm very curious to look into them. So, yeah, 
pretty cool. Nice. Which takes us to Scout Comics. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Scout Comics, I have By the Horns number six. Uh, so, written uh, or story and direction by Marquise and Nasso. Uh, art, lettering, and design by Jason Moore. Colors by Andre Andre Tabakuru. Excuse me. Um, now, this one is um, uh, so it's by the horns. It's the one with the girl who's sworn to kill all the unicorns on the planet, and we've discovered why because something happened between unicorns and her um, fiance. I no, it's her husband. Also, I, husband. They actually got it married. Sounds right. weird when you're like something happened, but no, they they trampled. Him. They well, I was gonna, I was building yeah. to that okay. because th- yeah. this is when we found that out. Yeah, is this issue. Well, we so. knew that. Yeah, they that he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like exactly what. So, um, we were led to believe he died, but then we found out he's actually alive. He's in a coma, which mm-hmm. is horrible. But in the last issue, we got a tease from one of the unicorns. I can heal him with magic. I know. So. So I was eagerly anticipating this next issue. But when we turned to the back page of the last issue, when he's like, I can heal him. And then I saw this cover. I'm like, oh, that that healing's probably not going to go very well. Luckily, that doesn't happen in this issue. So this entire one is a backstory of what happened between them. And there's almost... Was there any dialogue? I thought there was uh, one, no, oh, yeah. there's... one line. We love you, Shintaro. That's yes. the only line in the entire book. So. Yeah. No, it was really cool. It was like, so Elodie's the main character, right? And um, she's got this mm-hmm. fox slash wolf slash antelope as her mount slash traveling <laughs> companion. That's fox not even... Man. That's not even the weirdest animal creature in this this book. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Evelyn alone is like, okay. <laughs> Evelyn's my favorite. I love Evelyn. She's so. a giant tentacle. Like, she's like a beholder, but just floating around with a freaking yeah. assault rifle um, whenever there's combat. Which Also, how cute was the little baby version of the fox? I know. So cute. <laughs> so cute. Also, yeah. my next uh, D&D character, I want to be a beholder that has an assault rifle and just bombs no, around with the party. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so it's not just the backstory of how Elodie met Shintaro. If anything, it felt like it was more of a flashback for... Um, I forgot the, the dude's name. The... the the fox antelope thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever his name is. Um, sorry, <laughs> the second main character in this story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I read it all in like an hour, like all six issues, so I kind of blew through it. But anyways, yeah, it's honestly I felt like it was his flashback because it begins with Shintaro finding him as a little mm-hmm. pup or whatever, um, raising him, uh, you know, meeting Elodie, and then it's the three of them living together, uh, their wedding. And then, of course, the unfortunate, like, trampling incident, which, um, yeah, and then it's, uh, yeah, how Elodie basically swears vengeance and her and um, the fox wolf antelope character, which I wish I could remember that thing's name now, uh, they basically, yeah, it ends kind of with them uh, leaving, like, going off into start basically where the first issue begins. And then, yeah, um, yeah it was really well done. I really like the whole... Uh, it was like a montage. It felt really good. It was really cool. Really cool yeah. concept. I really like the fact that um, that they... Uh, how do I put this? Um, they put a lot of really good little character moments yes. in this issue, especially. Like this moment where he tries to go off without the wolf. 
Yeah, and it sneaks in. It puts a little cloak on, and like yeah. anyone who's had a dog will absolutely love these montages. So. Yeah, no, it was re- it was just a really good. Like this has probably been my favorite issue, and I really was enjoying the series. Um, uh, you know, as I was reading it, I was not sold on it because I was kind of like, I don't know about this. And I picked it up, and I'm like, huh, I'm reading it. And I don't know, about halfway through the first issue, I was like, okay, I'm actually enjoying this to like the last issue where I'm like, dang, if anything, I wish like it feels like it's kind of nearing the end. And I'm like, I kind Sajin. of... Sajin is his name. Sajin, yes. Yes. Okay. Thank I you. was looking at him while we were talking. Yep. Um, Sajin, yes. He's, he's actually a really cool character. And then, you know, Evelyn is this floating eyeball thing with a gun and she's really cool. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's a she, but... Her name's Evelyn. They treat her like Evelyn. a she. <laughs> and um, yeah, they have uh, two unicorns. Um, begrudgingly. So, so and Rigby. <laughs> Rigby uh, have to join the group. And it's really good. I'm honestly really digging the whole dynamic and the whole story. And I, uh, I even kind of like the world. The world is very much a mix of sci-fi and fantasy, mm-hmm. which is like hard, I think. And I'm seeing that's more of a trend. Like, but you know what's funny to me is I feel like it still leans more fantasy than sci-fi. This one is yeah. a little bit more sci-fi, I feel like, um, which is kind of cool to I see. I mean, they have a pod for him to be in while he's in a coma. So yeah, it's like Star Wars. It's like Star Wars, I guess. <laughs> almost, yeah, yeah, actually. You know? It could just be a backwater planet in Star Wars. It know? really could. Yeah, yeah. even the way they're dressed. That. That's cool. Yeah, so it's, um, but it's really fun and I, I've, I've liked it. And um, yeah, I almost, I don't know if it's ending soon because I do feel like we're kind of wrapping up at the very least. This it was arc. supposed to be a five issue mini and they actually been turned into an ongoing. An ongoing. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay, so, interesting. Yeah. Then I wonder, like, what will happen because they're basically- it seems like we're wrapping up, doesn't it? It, like- it does, but you know, there's it's they've made a point to say that it's. I mean, it's probably like it's probably that she has to go find the unicorns. Then I'm guessing or something like like that. So, yeah. Anyway, it, it's a good story. Um, that basically right now the next issue I think is going to be her facing off with like the big final boss in this uh adventure. And one of my favorite things about these comics is that the artist always like they have a little extra page, I guess, at the end. And usually he'll mm-hmm. like um, explain how he conceptualized one of the characters in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times it's been the villains and um, their origin and the thought like, you know, why he designed it the way that it did. He'll show like previous versions of it. It's pretty cool. I, I actually kind of enjoy reading those, too. So it's actually yeah the art is the thing that jumps out of me i absolutely love the art of this book like mm-hmm. it's just so great so yeah they're cool comics i actually was thinking about uh subscribing to this one because i do kind of like it i'll be yeah. looking for the trade <laughs> yeah nice um all right let's move on and switch up publishers yet again and we're going to talk about image very briefly uh i got two image books the first one is called a righteous thirst for vengeance uh, creative team is Rick Remender, Andre Lima Arihao, Chris O'Halloran, and Russ Wooten. Um, this one is interesting. This one, it's funny because I read this immediately after By the Horns, and this book is almost dialogue free as well. Um, but it's a number one, and it's about a man who just has a really bad day, basically. And long story short, he's he's just traveling, and he's just. It just everything goes wrong on a trip across country, basically. And in the end, at one point, he sees an injured bird. And he knows, he, like, him and a little child talk about, well, we need to put out his misery. But the guy's like, I don't want to, like, you know, 
wrap my hand around its neck and snap its neck. I should just stomp on it, I guess, to end it quickly. But then he's like, what if I stomp on it? And it doesn't kill it. You know, what if it suffers more? So much worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he basically gets on the bus and goes to leave. And it just sits there flopping uselessly. Oh, so he did nothing. He, okay. So he gets off the bus. Okay. Goes over there, stomps. <gasps> the bus leaves without him. And now he's got bird blood all over his boots, right? He gets to where he's going. He walks into this house and finds a bunch of dead bodies. And he's like, shit. Hmm what happened here so he goes to saw what he did and he left bloody footprints because of the bird blood and that's how it wraps up so interesting to see where this goes um i i just really like the art style um it's very uh i don't know like you can kind of get an idea like the Mm -hmm. way he's drawn and stuff it's just done really well i think and i'm curious to see where it goes uh but pretty good next up this book liz will read eventually because it's one of my favorites and i think she'll really dig it the Me You Love in the Dark. Story is by Scotty Young. Arts by Jorge Corona. Colors by Jean-Francois Bellou. And letters by Nate Picos of Blambot. So Liz, let me tell you about this one because I haven't talked to you about it. It's about an artist. And she wants to get inspiration for her new, disp- her new um, uh, gallery. And she just can't draw for some reason. She can't draw anything worth anything. She keeps getting upset. So she rents a house out in the middle of nowhere that's supposedly haunted to inspire her. And in the first I have a question. Does she meet a hot ghost? Does she meet a hot demon? I mean, the title's just giving me ideas. So kind of. Oh, awesome. Okay. Okay. This is a horror version of what was it called? Shape of Water, basically. Oh, okay. Interesting. So there's is a ghost who she never can really see because he always has to stay in the darkness. Mm-hmm. But we get glimpses of, and he's terrifying looking. And they basically get into a relationship, and they're like slowly. She's like, "That's okay, honey." <laughs> well, it's more like a. We'll just keep the lights off. No, <laughs> they don't really like touch or anything like that very much. Okay. But in this issue, they do. Oh no! And and we still never fully see him. But we'll see her do this. That's a lot of eyeballs. Eyes. Yeah. And so, and he looks different a lot. So, and they do like stuff like movie nights and she falls asleep in his lap and all this oh stuff. Oh my gosh. It's like, so it's like my monster boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, it is basically. And then, but they like cuddle and stuff. And then the book ends with her, um, her going to her room and they're holding hands and then, uh, he stops and she goes why are you stopping and he goes I promised you I would not she's like I know but I'm asking you to and he goes are you sure and she goes please stop talking now dummy and takes her shirt off Jesus alright and then this is the fade out where it just slowly zooms out of the house so hmm. I'm really digging this book <laughs> like it's really cool I like the art style quite a bit and uh, it's got that cool horror romance vibe. Like, I just really dug it. So, um, yeah, I want you to read that, though. But it's only three issues in. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be a mini. I'm it's like, not and the they already are hitting it. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Where we go from here? Monster yeah, boyfriend revealed. It's like something. <laughs> just imagining. I'm curious to see where it goes. Though. I'm, I'm honestly imagining Envy's, like, true form from Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> But yeah, it's. I'm curious to see. I bet it'll be a five or six issue, and get the trade. It's just oh, I love it. And Scotty Young, 
known for his art is really doing a great job as a writer between this and uh, Strange Academy. So it's pretty cool. Cool. Next up is Oni Press. And we got two books for Oni Press. Uh, Liz is a big Rick and Morty fan like myself. Um, so <laughs> I made him watch one of the, the show. That's one of the things I yes, changed his mind on. That's true. That's very <laughs> true. To be honest, to, to be frank with our audience, I hated Rick and Morty because I hated the fans. Yes. So you, like, audience, he hated you. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever unironically yelled Pickle Rick, then I hate you. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right. Please subscribe. I am at We Have Issues. <laughs> they know what I'm about. Uh, yeah. So we got two Rick and Morty books this week. The first one is part three of Rick's New Hat. Um, this one is written by Alex Firer, art by Fred Stressing, letter, or coloring by Andrew Dahlhaus, and lettering by Crank. So this one is... <laughs> The one Rick and Rick Morty acts- go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, actually. Yeah. You're, you're actually very close. <laughs> so basically, Rick puts on a, a, a hat that has a thing that makes him stupid. And he has to find the three laws of science that he hid all around the world for himself. In the last issue, he had to go back to C-137, which has been Cronenberg. And he learned the first law of, of science before abandoning them and seemingly the destruction of that world. Um, this one they have to go to the afterlife. So, but which afterlife is the question, right? (laughs) Because Rick just knows he left it in the afterlife somewhere. (laughs) Just somewhere. So they just do a tour of the afterlife real quick. So they reveal in one of 100 deaths, Morty believes in Zeus. So they go to the river sticks and the guy guiding the river sticks is the tickets, please guy from the story train. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I gotta have... say, I really like how the comic. I, I really feel like the comics do such a good job of like capturing the humor of the show, and they mm-hmm. get to bring back characters like that, like that probably aren't oh, going to yeah. be in the show again, but in the comic they can come back. And I, I really like they're doing a really good job with the Rick and Morty comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, they steal the boat from him, uh, so <laughs> they steal the boat from Caron basically, and they run into of all people, Tammy. Yes. With Golem person, yes, her her new lover, and he he kills them basically, but they're able to mummify themselves using the souls that are around them. So they go to the Egyptian afterlife. Long story short, they meet Anubis. Um, if you don't know, if you know anything about the Egyptian afterlife, Anubis weighs your heart against a feather. Oh God! And if it's heavier than a feather, you go to hell. Basically, is the idea. Rick's heart was so heavy with sin that it cracked s- the world. Yep. And everybody fell into hell, basically, into <laughs> Egyptian hell. Um, but Rick is able to throw Morty at, at the, the bad guy, like, in a battle. And he's like, we have to go to Viking hell. And he's like, basically, th- like, we have to die in battle. He's like, we don't have to win. It just throws, throws Morty at somebody <laughs> and he dies. That's pretty funny. Um, then they go to Viking and they go to Valhalla, obviously. And uh, we get to see Thor, the Rick and Morty Thor, which we saw in another episode before uh, with a high squeaky voice. And um, which Keith loves is his favorite portrayal of Thor. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> but um, they're basically in Valhalla chilling and stuff. And uh, yeah, that, that seems to go well. No, it doesn't. Doesn't work at all. They end up Morty ends up dying again and goes to Struwelter, Struwelpeter, the German children's book hell. Which, if you know anything about German fairy tales, <laughs> fuck, it's grim. So he's getting tortured. Um, As they do. 
Yeah, I'll show you some art about it in a minute. It's really crazy. They vivisect him and stuff like that. Like, it's crazy. But Rick is able to go to basically the afterlife that he basically that is nothingness. He believes in nothing. So he's like, oh, that's my actual afterlife. So it goes to nothingness and he finds out the second law of science is all things want to live. So, and then who is there with him in nothingness? Except for the corpse of Pickle Rick. <laughs> what? Yes. First time you came here, Rick, you tried to turn yourself into a pickle to escape. It didn't work. You died. <laughs> so, yeah. I can sense it through the eternal pickle brain. Morty is in danger. He's trapped in bad German kid heaven hell. He needs you. And so here's Pickle Rick's picture. Oh, man, that's Dead horrifying. Pickle Rick. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he saves Morty from evil German kid hell, basically right there all right so then they need one more law and he's like well we're still dead what are we gonna do rick and he goes to cartoon heaven and offers to become their avenging angels <laughs> they go back and then they just rip their wings off they're like oh we're back fuck them amazing basically. so <laughs> they're gonna find the last one in the next issue so i'm excited to see where this goes um that was fun but moving on to the other rick and morty book this one liz did read with me yes rick and morty presents snuffles goes to war uh, written by Chris Daniels, illustrated by Devon Dowdy, colored by Leonardo Ito, and lettered by Crank. So this one, of course, is about Snuffles, a.k.a. Snowball, their dog from the first season that they gave intelligence to, who ended up uh, I taking guess over the world. Is the world. Yeah. Yeah. So um, freeing all of their is... dogs from the bondage that they were trapped <laughs> in, liberating them. Yeah. So what did you think about the book? It was cute. Um, I'm glad they brought the squirrels back. They basically, yes. yeah, had it so that it was squirrels versus dogs instead of humans versus dogs, which is funny. Um, I think it's um, like interesting they didn't go cats versus dogs, but I guess they kind of established that the squirrels are in the Rick and Morty world, like yeah. up to something. Um, it didn't really explain the squirrels' motivation for like nuking the dog planet, but um, you know. It needed to have. Oh, I guess like Rick was manipulating it from behind the scenes or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. So he could have something interesting to watch on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very Rick motivation. Yeah. One, one thing I really liked is the dogs have their own world. Yeah. And they basically, they have like a movie premiere and they're like, oh, we think our president snuffles. And he's like, oh, I just gave some notes on the bad guy. And the bad guy was Jerry. Yeah, so. that was funny. That like, was a yeah. funny scene. I'd like to see more of that film of um, them fighting <laughs> against Jerry. Yeah. But yeah, it ended up being cool. We get a cool action scene like a lot of these Rick and Morty adaptations. And uh, yeah. Morty I, has I to it, come and plead for uh, Snowball not to kill. Basically, continue killing. Yeah. And um, yeah, basically like gets peace. And then they give a little ending shot where it's like Snowball still loves Morty, basically. Yes. Which is cute. <laughs> I, I also hope really my dogs, like the if they that... take over, would love me and <laughs> spare One me. One of them will. <laughs> so, um, they also do a great spot where um, Rick keeps not remembering Snuffles at all. Yeah. And then he, and then he goes, oh, I didn't realize you're referring to him by his slave name. I, know. <laughs> I, was, like, I was like, oh, man, Rick. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> so, but yeah, good stuff. I love all the Rick and Morty comics. They're just so much fun. So. All right, moving on to Vault. Yeah, to Vault. Let's do Vault. Vault Comics. I got two Vault books. The first one is called The Last Book You'll Ever Read, Part 3. 
Um, this one is written by Colin Bunn, drawn by Leila Lays, colored by Vladimir Popov, and letter or yeah, letter by Jim Campbell. So we know this one as the um, the girl who writes a book that makes everybody go crazy, go all primal, start killing each other, start eating each other. And it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens to a lot of people. And she's going on this tour, and everybody's trying to blame the book. She's like, it's just a book. But the book is literally about how we give in to our primal urges. Uh, she hires this guy to become her security guard, pr- makes him promise not to read the book just so he doesn't go crazy. And then they start having an affair uh, while they're on the book tour. And basically what happens here is that it's the continuation of the book tour and they're having an affair. And then suddenly her tour bus runs over a tire strip. One of the ones meant to puncture all your tires like the cops lay down. And then out of the woods comes a horde of naked people. Oh my God, it looks like Attack on Titan. (laughs) Yeah, it actually does actually. And they just start attacking her and her bodyguards. Now we know something's going on, something paranormal, but we haven't been told what yet. Uh, does she have a connection to a demon? What's going on? Well, she gets cornered without the bodyguard, and he comes comes around the corner and sees this snake eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Why is everyone naked? Oh, is she is the naked chick eating the bodyguard? Is that what's happening in that scene? I don't know. Well, we also get this shot. Wow. Too, that. So. What's the rating on this comic? I don't even know if I. Oh, it's mature. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say oh, I don't even oh, know if I can mature. describe it's, it. It's vault. That is so as raunchy. But yeah, and then I mean, it's yeah, a lot of vault is very, very mature. So, but yeah, but like, there's something going on here. And we still don't know what yet, and I'm really enjoying this. Uh, it's really great. I did not get the variant cover this week because I could not find it. So, but that leads me to another very mature comic book from Vault. Money shot number 15. Oh, man. <laughs> Written by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beattie. Drawn by Caroline or Caroline Leigh Lane. Colored by Kurt Meyer Russell and letter by Crank. So we were able to save um, Annie and Doug from the other planet. But now we're getting an invasion of these creatures they made. And the team has to work together. This is kind of the end of the first arc. And the best way to do it, apparently, is to... Basically, to fight the aliens, you have to do your biggest turnoff as porn, which is something they've discussed in the past. So, like, um, uh, Chris, my girl, her biggest uh, turnoff is basically the faces girls make in anime porn in hentai. Oh, that. She's like, this is so good. I have no control of my face. My eyeballs are spinning around like dinner plates because your dick has popped my one and only brain cell, which is great. Um, Bad porn music is one of them. So someone's listening to Skrillex while trying to have sex. Uh, One person hates sleeping with virgins. So they're like, oh, this is my first time ever. They're like, (laughs) and just, just all this stuff. And yeah. And then so Chris Ocampo Attempts to use it to uh, make up with her ex, but it doesn't work. Um, they're both should ba- basically better off being alone, is what we come to. So, Gosh, but in the end, man, alone, not even with other people. We're not together. Not okay, together. I was she, like, dang. She she basically says, "I think it's best if you're alone for a while," because she basically was trying really desperately to get her back, and she's like, "You need some time." Basically, okay. so. But they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. We're gonna we're gonna take a break. Everything's gonna be fine. But then we get a fleet of ships heading towards Earth. The units have arrived. Operation Fuck Earth commencing. So, <laughs> God. Yep. 
we'll see. I just love this book. It's so much fun. So this is cover A. Uh-huh. But I did get a raunchy cover, which is a wraparound. It's a it's a four-way girl thing. So, yeah, yeah. four-way girl thing is uh is right. What are you gonna do with all your raunchy covers? Are you gonna I I was saying we should <laughs> Oh, they're bagged. <laughs> I know they're bagged. <laughs> oh yeah. Like black shielding on them. Nah, I still think it'd be a cool. They, idea. they all come with they all come with these covers to put uh, over them. So. Yeah, the sensor button thing. Um, I still think it'd be cool to like take a series. On a wall. Yeah, put it on a poster board. You know, like a big massive frame and like a whole yeah. run. You know, that'd be cool. Yeah, it'd work. I mean, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not the raunchy covers, but uh, something else. <laughs> yeah. No, there's uh, like uh, a lot of my variants. I have like some ones that are actually like long, one long picture, mm-hmm. and they could connect to each other, like uh. When they did the Hellfire Gala. Yeah, was I was going to say the Marvel did like, that, right? That'd be cool. Yeah, it's just one long red carpet with people on it, basically. So it's pretty cool. Nice. So. All right. Now we're going to move on to the big two, starting with DC. One of the smallest DC weeks I've had in a long time. Uh, first up is Crush and Lobo number five, written by Mariko Tamaki, drawn by Amanke Naholapan, colored by Tamara Bonneville, and letter by Ariana Mayer. Uh, so catch Liz up. Crush is Lobo's daughter. Mm-hmm. She looks all like Crush, but she's not. And Crush is uh, a lesbian who had this adorable girlfriend who is the sweetest thing in the world. And Crush is just like Lobo. She's kind of an asshole, but she wants to be better. That's the difference between her and Lobo. She actually wants to be a better person. So um, here's a real quick shot of her girlfriend. She's adorable. She's I love very her normal about. looking. <laughs> yeah, she's she's kind of chubby, and but she's really nice. And like her whole family likes Crush. Despite her being weird like, yeah, and everything, so. as a way to describe. So, does uh, Crush have the same powers as Lobo, where it's like she can regenerate infinitely, yep. basically? Yeah, oh, nice. exactly. Here's her. Here's another shot of her girlfriend just laying in bed, texting her and stuff. So, who's, uh, I love who's her Crush's dude. mom? I don't know if that's ever addressed. Oh, okay, I'm not. I don't know off the top of my head. So, but basically, the the story so far is Lobo's in jail mm-hmm. in space, and there's Parents' Day where or you know, family day mm-hmm. where the family can come visit and she's like I don't want to visit him he's an asshole but she's <laughs> like maybe maybe I'll be a better person if I go visit my dad maybe this will help me work out my daddy issues basically mm-hmm. she goes to visit he's talking he's saying all this psycho- psychiatrist bullshit that he learned in counseling and mm-hmm. all this stuff what she doesn't realize is he was using something to change their DNA so they swap DNA temporarily. oh no so when he tries to leave, her DNA comes up and he's able to leave and oh she's stuck because she has his DNA. What a so she's stuck in jail because he's an asshole. Long story short, they figure out she's not the one and they're like, but we're going to leave you in jail anyways. Oh but she God. works at a deal. They let her out. She has like 72 hours mm-hmm. to find Lobo and bring him back. Good. Otherwise, this thing blows up on her arm and she dies. Oh, like Suicide Squad. Yeah, basically. So, <laughs> they, so they really like that trope. <laughs> so they spend this whole issue basically hunting down Lobo, following a trail. Like her and her girl, her stuff. normal person girlfriend, or no, no, she, her and her girlfriend kind of broke up in the first oh, issue. She's okay. back on Earth, oh. but it's her dealing with the fact that she wants to be back with her and make it, make everything up to gotcha, her and stuff okay. like that. Mm-hmm. So, but no, it's her on her own. So, but it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. It's the best uh, best Lobo comic I've ever read because I'm not a big fan of Lobo, but yeah, good stuff. Uh, next up is Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary 100-page spectacular. So I got a wraparound cover for this one. It's just different designs of Wonder Woman throughout the years. Yeah. 
So I like the I'm I that one good thing about the new fifty two is when they put the pants and the jacket on her. That's yeah, still that such dope. a good look. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly so an insult has... to me that they put that on that cover. Like we only got it for like five issues and then it was gone. <laughs> yeah. So this one has multiple stories. It has nine stories, so I'm not going to go through each and every one of them. Uh, but a lot of really great writers involved, including, um, and this is not trying to not mention anybody. It just jumps out of me. Michael Conrad and Becky Cloonan, who are doing One Roman right now. Uh, Tom King, Vida, Vida Ayala, Steve Orlando, Stephanie Phillips, G. Willow Wilson. Just amazing. So, um, But yeah, they basically do a bunch of stories, and I actually really enjoyed this. Um, there's a lot of really good stories here to be told. Like um, Steve Trevor basically writing an in-memoriam for her while she was dead. That was a really interesting one. It talks about who she is. And I think there's such a misunderstanding of who Wonder Woman is in comic fandom. If you don't read Wonder Woman, you don't understand her. Me and Liz have talked about this in the past, where people just don't understand who Wonder Woman is. And they don't understand what her point is. And this book, I think, does a really good job of expressing who she is, what her point is, what, what role she's supposed to fill. She is a soldier and she'll fight if she needs to, but also seeks peace first, you know, like, like, but she's not literally not Captain America do. is like, I yeah. feel like what she should yeah. be in the comics, but you know, yep, she's a chick but, and it's DC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think it's cool. I'm really loving these 80th anniversary books they've been doing. So that's cool. Next up is. A graphic novel. We don't normally cover graphic novels in this form, but this one we're doing. We're going to because it's Beast Boy Loves Raven, uh, written by Cami uh, Garcia, drawn by Gabriel Piccolo with Rob Haynes. Uh, colorist is David Calderon, lettering by Gabriella Downey. Now, Liz actually got me into this too. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Because uh, the Raven one came first. Yeah, I follow um, uh, Piccolo on uh, Twitter. So I, I kind of knew this book was coming out, like mm-hmm. when it was Raven's book that was first coming out. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a retelling of the Teen Titans stories, mostly focusing around Beast Boy and Raven. Um, and the first one was Raven, the second one's Beast Boy. This one's called Beast Boy Loves Raven because they meet up in Memphis, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, they, it's just like a meet cute or Nashville, sorry, Nashville, not Memphis, uh, somewhere in Tennessee, but they meet up, they have kind of a meet cute and them getting to know each other. And I really it's like really this. It's really cute. Adaptation. Yeah. This like, is what everyone's been waiting for. And it's yeah. done like it's fast. Cause I think they only spent a couple days together, but it's honestly done well enough that it's like, you kind of, I mean, you can feel the attraction right from the beginning. It's not too cheesy. It really works, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they're both kind of like damaged goods already from their own books. So it's hard for them to trust. So they do eventually trust each other. And that's when it really clicks. Yeah. When they, that's why I think it goes quick. Is once they know they can trust each other. They're basically the only people they each other trusts. Except mm-hmm. for their immediate family, you know. So um, the good news about this one is, and I'm not going to spoil too much, but we do get another Titan that shows up. Yes. And I was originally told there were only going to be three books, but it looks like we're getting another one. Woo-hoo based around this titan and it the code name oh fuck it we'll just tell you damian wayne shows up yay <laughs> so, older damian wayne which i think yeah. is the first time we get to see him not 10 years old yeah and he's great and then we actually find out next year we're going to be getting another book and this one is teen titans robin which seems to have both dick grayson and damian on the cover yes and it's going to be the same artist and writer. So I'm very, very excited about this. But 
it's just been such a great run. Like I really enjoyed this. Oh, me and too. <laughs> Even though there's like a year between books, it's like nice to you know. Yeah. Um, they're they're really good. They're just really good. I really I like it when mm. DC does this stuff. Like I think um, I'm not Starfire. You know that was a good one. Mm-hmm. Like I like these little like kind of YA like reboots, but they're done in a way that's more appealing. I think than the the way they've usually done them. So. Yeah, that's one thing that I believe that uh, DC has over Marvel right now is their YA work is really killing it. Plus, so. them expanding it to webtoon. Uh, like, it, I know they're trying it with the Wayne Family Adventures. I really hope they do mm-hmm. more. To be honest, so what's funny is Marvel's doing that now too. But just on, under Marvel Unlimited, they happen within like three days of each other. <laughs> it's weird. They both did the same thing. It's crazy. So, mm-hmm. um, like usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for DC. We're going to switch over to Marvel Comics, our final publisher. I got a stack, but it's not as big as it usually is. So we'll get to this quick. Um, First of all, is Eternals Celestia. So this is a side Eternal story based on the current ongoing with Kieran Gillen. And they're just kind of building out the Eternals world right now. Um, Because we got the comic coming up or the movie coming up and I'm just excited. So Written by Karen Gillen, penciled and inked by Kay Zama, with additional inking by John Livesay, colored by Matthew Wilson, letter by Clayton Cowles. Not a lot to talk about. Um, I won't it, basically to talk about it at all is uh, kind of giving it away. But what I will say is that it does focus on the idea of religion amongst the Eternals, um, and what does that mean to them? Because they know they're gods. The the um, uh, oh my gosh, my moment blank. The Celestials, sorry. They know the Celestials. That's their gods, but they've met them, so it's kind of like, that's weird. And it deals mostly with Makari and Ajak. Ajak is like the the speaker to the gods. That's her role. And and Makari is like the speedster who also has spoken to a god, so it's like dealing with the concept of that. Do they and, address it all like, I mean, mm-hmm. if a god can be killed, is it still a god? Like, what makes a god, you know? That's a question. <laughs> okay, like, that's yeah, kind of cool. So, like their whole faith system is based on it because they did create them. That Celestials did create them using a machine. Mm-hmm. So, okay, technically, it's their god, their creator, you know. But yeah, and it does feature a really cool um, cameo by the I can't remember what they're called, but they're basically the prehistoric Avengers, the really old, like from one million BC Avengers. Um, and yeah, that was fun. Uh, so pretty cool. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I'm just so hyped for the movie, though. Like it's right, be so good. <laughs> um, me too. I'm getting hyped. We could actually go to the new theater. Our favorite theater is reopening under another name. Oh yeah, yeah. That'd Might be cool. Be That'd be a good there. one to go to. So, yeah, so I'm excited. And then we get to see Dune <laughs> in like yes, a week, two weeks. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Next up, Dark Ages number two. Uh, yeah. So Liz did read Dark Ages 1 and 2. I figured it'd be a good crossover for her to read, considering there's only two issues. Um, so real quick, I'll run down the creative team. Written by Tom Taylor, drawn by Yvonne Coelho, colored by Brian Reaver, and letter by Joe Sabino. So Liz, you're not the biggest into Marvel books in general, um, especially alternate universe Marvel books. I've always threatened to let you, or to make you read Age of Apocalypse and stuff like that. So... Um, but what did you think of this? Uh, you know, since you did, I've already reviewed the first issue. So just your kind of general idea of both issues together. Um, let's see. It reminds me of something. I think it's like, 
what is it? What is the what was it, what did they call that? Um, was it cataclysm that they called uh, that uh, when when an earthquake destroyed Gotham? Oh, I always call it Batquake. I always yeah, Batquake. I know, but like, what was no? That there's story? an actual name, but I can't remember. I think it was like, ca- yeah. No Man's Land. That's what no it Man's was. Yeah, that was the after effect. Yeah, that is what I feel like this story feels a lot like is No Man's Land. Honestly, no. I liked okay. No Man's Land. Um, can't. I think this one, if anything, is just it's really like okay. They have to. There's like some worldy. The, the whole thing was like kind of making me like uh marvel like there's like some (laughs) machine the whole first issue was basically a macguffin to get to where we need to be basically yeah right it was like okay a lot of exposition it wasn't very like i don't know the storytelling to me wasn't it wasn't hitting it for me basically there's a machine a robot that's made to eat black holes to stop entropy from happening um which i'm i'm not even gonna i didn't even bother thinking about that really too hard anyways yeah, yeah this thing eats black holes and it, it ate so many black holes that it went crazy i guess and decided it was going to just destroy all life you know as, as we do and they um the watchers or whatever they put it into a newly formed planet earth you know what, what could possibly it's always earth yeah it's always it's earth always i know <laughs> And um, yeah, so at the center of our planet, they put this freaking universe destroying robot that is, uh, you know, that literally is survives by eating black holes. And it's apparently waking up after like millennia, millennia, millions of years or whatever, Um, just in time. And okay, this is the funny part. They send like Sue Storm and a bunch of other heroes, like the most powerful heroes. Right. And they just get annihilated by this thing. And, Almost all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And um, they open up a hole. Like, what was the Doctor Strange did? So he opened up a hole and like into another reality where oh. is it like techno like electricity is like constant, like it doesn't exist there or. So it, 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 exo- it, it exerts a constant EMP pulse. Yeah. So basically, so, yeah, that destroys. Ba- basically, th- this whole part is basically saying, listen, we want to tell a story where there's no electricity. We're just telling you why. It's not going to be fixed. That's not the resolution of the story. Just know that there's no electricity. See, I don't like that. Because because then the next issue is all them being like, oh, yeah, we're living without electricity. And, oh, things are better in the world. Like, I know, like, they're setting up, you know, there's going to be villains. But I'm just thinking, like, like, look at how rough they look in The Walking Dead, you know, And, and that's or like lost, like no running water guys like i mean are, they, are we gonna have running water um i know you don't need electricity for that but you need like lights all the people that were like the hospitals man that just set us back like millennia um, whole like eons you know and um i don't know i'm just kind of annoyed that it's like oh they've like rebuilt society in seven years in certain areas and the mutants are running it i just don't care for it if they're not gonna show like um how it's being done because it literally ends with them being like here's the even the new evil band of mutants you know led by apocalypse and you're going to be the heroes are going to be fighting these guys and i'm just like that to me is like if you're going to do like a big world-changing event in the marvel universe like start basically like what's marvel like with no uh electricity and you're just going to go do the same story that Marvel always tells with the, you know, these characters where they just all fight each other. Like, I mean, at least like make it to like, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, post apocalypse, right? Where it's like they got to like ride horses and stuff, do stuff manually. No, yeah. we're just going to fight 
you know. We did, as far as the society goes, we did only get a quick snapshot of it. Yeah, but it very much felt like they're like, okay, they're fine. They have cities again that the telepaths keep everyone connected to. And it's like, why, why? What is it? It did feel a little like convenient yes right the, i mean and the also okay they, it seems like they found some other kind of power source Yo, too i was kind of like you yeah they did they just skipped right over that they're like oh like no i i hate it when all the interesting stuff happens off screen yep. and and again i'm just like if we're gonna fast forward to like the rebuilding of society at the very least commit man but no it's literally just yeah. marvel with like a medieval not even medieval they didn't even go medieval they're all still wearing their costumes and they all still look fine and i'm like okay so Mm -hmm. these guys got like washing machines they got new clothes like they got you know who's making all this armor and stuff without factories and oh also okay yeah so that that's that is my main criticism of it to be to be fair Mm -hmm. there are a bunch of mutants that just generate energy okay but how many mutants are left in the world all over the world yeah okay um yeah no it's it it is fine i mean i just kind of was like all right i just got to disconnect this is just going to be marvel with like a different coat of paint on it like you know a normal marvel book with a different coat of paint like a yield coat of paint on it and um it's not they don't want to tell a story about the technology so that's okay uh, I will accept it. And then I think Apocalypse. Most people are interested in the fight, not so much the technology. I think it's just you and me. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I just thought they'd be doing something kind of cool. But, anyways, here's what really pissed me off Tony Stark gets, you know, him and Apocalypse are having this conversation. And Tony makes a quip. He's like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't usually like deal with people that own slaves or something like that. And Apocalypse is like, oh, you're going to be so superior to me when the technology and the you know materials that you use to make your suits are mined by slaves in other countries. And I'm just like, Apocalypse, I, I'm not going to be lectured on the evils of globalism. Your name is Apocalypse. I know, literally. I was like, bitch, like, I, you know, no, no, no. We, we want to talk about the evils of like a globalist capitalist society like let's talk about it but no they just move on like that's gonna shut him down and at the end of the day i'm like yeah okay there's no like ethical consumption in capitalism but hey apocalypse you're actively owning slaves and making them (laughs) do stuff for you like i mean let's just be like one of us is an active participant in this equation and um yeah yeah. and also he's working with the purple man to make the slaves not feel like slaves so it's just like Ding, it just it always like ever since if dude, ever since I'm a kid, when a character like gets like, you know, oh shut down like with a snappy comeback, like, oh uh-huh. <laughs> but you participate in a society. Interesting that you would criticize <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. I always just want to be like, hold up. Yes. I'm sorry, we are not moving past this until we shut these people down. Cause it just pisses me off that it's like, oh, that's an yeah. equivalent like exchange of conversation. And those things are equitable in any way. So I, I don't know. It's like I, I, I sound like I didn't enjoy the book. It's OK. Um, I am giving it a chance. I'm going to see where it goes, because um, I actually when you described the concept, I was thinking like, that sounds really cool. I really want to see yeah. what they do with that. And for right now, I feel like all they did with that is um, it just feels like, honestly, if, if I picked up issue two, I don't even know if I would have like <laughs> understood that this like what happened that they were missing electricity yeah. that's how little of an impact it feels right now so we'll see i guess there are there are little things i really enjoy that i want to bring up though um i love little may parker yeah uh, she definitely looks better in this little, issue than the she, last she's issue cute. yeah um 
I love little bits like how people fled the most inhospitable places. So like where we live, for instance, if this happened and the population was like drastically reduced, we wouldn't stay in Arizona. I mean, you don't think I was going to say like we got people lived here without electricity for a long time. No AC. We we wouldn't stay here voluntarily for no reason whatsoever. We'd get the fuck out of here. Like we got to bust open the Hoover Dam, return nature to where it's intended. (laughs) Uh, I like that. I really liked the Wolverine squad Mm -hmm. that they had with uh, with Laura and uh, Gabby, who we'll be talking about in a bit. Um, I, I love that quite a bit. Oh, sorry. Um, that is my other thing. Instead of fighting like dysentery, they're going to have to fight werewolves and vampires because that's the biggest threat to society right now, which I did not care for. I do not care for. I also want to be like, why can't I, I think you just want a post apocalyptic story? You don't I, yeah, want I do. A, a, yeah, a with Marvel characters. One, so. I want a post apocalyptic superhero one. Like they have solutions for most of these problems, really easy solutions. And to to address them would be to ignore the fact that they have mutants that can touch you and heal you from Yeah, for, one. How many mutants do they, they have, have for They also have they have a uh, manifold. They make a point to show him he can teleport anyone anywhere at any time. Yeah, but he's still one person. I know, but it's just like I I don't I think you're getting caught up in the trees. <laughs> like I'm not seeing the forest. It's so. just not the story I was I get what you're saying and I dig I dig survival stories of yeah. that kind of story, but I think this is more like hand waving like don't worry about that. We're focusing on heroes. Yes, we're focusing on the same story we tell every crossover. We're not talk- they're not telling the story of the the humans without powers, you know what I mean? That's their story, if you will. You know what I mean? Like so. Yes. Those pathetic I, humans. I, 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 I also really liked the the Captain America reveal. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm not going to reveal what the reveal was. That was cool. Kind of spoiler. But that's thing. just because I like uh, that character. So yeah, me too. Not Captain America for the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> also, Dracula's in this, and I forgot that. Like, honestly, this is the uh-huh. book that reminded me that yeah, Dracula, vampires, and um, werewolves are a thing in the Marvel universe. <laughs> Which is not Dracula's a major character in the Marvel. Yeah, movies. it's He's not, actually one of the biggest villains for the X Men. It's a cool thing, but it's also just like, um, again, I, I would love it if they did more with it. So hopefully they'll do more. But it seems like they went straight to Apocalypse, and I was like, man, that's lame. I'd rather that I'd rather Dracula be the main villain, or if anything, Dracula and his vampires like be the ones that like you know take center stage. Damn, I don't I know. Actually, I actually really like that Apocalypse has gathered people like purple man and dracula because t- sometimes he gathers <laughs> followers and they're kind of weak yeah this is like a very formidable group so i'm very curious to see like how how brutal this is going to be you know so i know the the author of the book uh tom taylor has made no promises that no one will sur- that anyone will survive so well, yeah because i mean it's au so the marvel always goes crazy but i i just want to yeah. say no man's land did it first and I like I mean, No Man's really. Land. It's not even remotely the same thing. <laughs> like, also, No Man's Land was across like twelve books. Yeah, like it was. It was huge. This is a mini series. So, yeah. oh, like, it's, a, it's a mini. It's oh, be, no it, wonder then they're just going straight to yeah, the fight. Yeah, it's going to be contained. Like, yeah. Oh so. man, this could be something really cool. If there was like a little, like an ongoing, like you know. Uh, I mean, they might come back to it. They do that a lot if it sells well. So, okay, we'll see. We'll see. Um. Next up, Amazing Spider-Man number seventy-five. I got this adorable little cover. That's cute. It's a little chibi Spider-Man. Yeah, it's Scotty Young. Love him. So, uh, so creative team. It's all in the back for some reason. Marvel never does that. Um. So this is the first issue post. Um. Basically, with a massive run, Nick Spencer did in, in Spider-Man has been going forever. Last issue was his final issue. So now we're finally into the new issue, the new series. 
Written by Zeb Wells, drawn by Patrick Gleason, colored by Marcio Meniz, and lettered by Joe Caramagna. Um, in the last one, uh, Harry Osborn died saving again. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, again. Again. But for reals this time. For apparently. reals. <laughs> Until um, next, this this one, they need him. <laughs> and in this one, Peter is dealing with the fact that, you know, he lost his best friend and he's trying to, like, not have guilt over it and everything like that. Um, I really love the art for this. Um I think a lot of Spider-Man hinges on the art. And I think they draw both Spider-Man and Peter very well. So like this shot of Peter. Oh yeah, that's cool. I really like that. And then here's him climbing up on the roof like barefoot. I, I do cool. admire that. In no way have they ever attempted to make comics Peter Parker look like the movie counterparts <laughs> at all. Yeah. They've always kept Peter Parker in the comics. I really like this two-page yeah. spread. That's cool. So but basically, like, it's him dealing with the after effects of everything that happened. And he runs into another Spider-Man. And they have a fight. And he loses. And he finds out it's Ben Riley. For those who don't remember, Ben Riley is Scarlet Spider, who is a clone of Peter Parker. But he's blonde. This is this the Clone Riley. Saga? And they're bringing him back from the Clone Saga. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, he's a very popular character. People actually really like him. I thought people um, didn't like the Clone Saga. They don't like the Clone Saga. They like Ben Riley. Okay. So, man, you have like a clone of Peter Parker and you name him Ben Riley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, long story short, they kind of have to work together like in the future and stuff like that. So, um, something happens though, and Peter gets very seriously injured and goes unconscious, and Ben's like trying to wake him up, and that's where it ends. We do know that this is going to lead to more, um, more books. Like we're getting a Ben Riley Spider-Man actual comic of his own. Mm -hmm. That's going to be drawn by David Baldion, who I love. He's the one that did X Factor, and we absolutely love him. So, um, but yeah, it, it seems like this is a new era of Spider-Man with Nick Spencer out. They're going to do something new, and it's all around the Beyond Corporation. So the Beyond Corporation is sponsoring Spider-Man. They actually bought the rights to Spider-Man, and. That's why they want Ben Riley to be Spider-Man because he's like their corporate sponsor and he'll obey their rules, whereas Peter can't. And he's basically asking Peter to retire so that he can do it. And Peter's like, no, it's my job. So it's going to be interesting. I, I always like the interaction between them. They're like brothers who can't get along. So next up is Defenders number three. Defenders uh, written by Al Ewing. I started talking before I got to the page. Um. Okay. Yeah. Written by Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez. Letter by Joe Caramagna with um, the covers by Javier Rodriguez as well. So this is the one where Doctor Strange has brought together this group of defenders and they're going further back in time as we go. And the last world they were in was the home world of Galactus or the home time of Galactus, I should say. Ta, where they met his mother and she joined the group. They travel back in time again and Silver Surfer disappeared. So I guess he went back to his own time. Now they're in a world that's all magic. So it's like a complete like shift into what's happening. Uh, with Silver Surfer gone, like I said, we, we have uh, Taya, who is the mother of Galactus, of the, the infant who would one day become Galactus. But as I said, we just keep going back further and further in time. And it's just really cool. It's, it's kind of an excuse to do kind of a trippy Doctor Strange book, um, which I enjoy. I know we're going through the death of Doctor Strange in the main line, so it's nice to have something similar to Doctor Strange coming out uh, while he is dead or whatever. 
lots of cool tentacle monsters. Uh, just really done. And I love the art. It's done in a very contemporary style that also meshes well with classic Doctor Strange art, which is one of my favorite things in comics is classic Str- Doctor Strange art because it looks ridiculous. Uh, but like to give you an idea of what it looks like, it's like this stuff. Like the faces and the bubbles and stuff like that. So That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I really dig it. So, uh, this has been pretty good. I'm always a fan of the Defenders books, especially when it's Doctor Strange led. So, next up, a season or a series finale uh, for Champions number ten, written by Danny Lore, art by Luciano Vecchio, color by Federico Bli, and letter by Clayton Cowles. So, Champions Liz is kind of like Young Avengers. Um, so it's Kam- Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. Uh, it's Nova, the young version of him. It's Miles Morales, it's Ironheart, and it's Viv Vision, who is Vision's daughter. Mm. Um, Viv Vision? Viv Vision, like Vivian Vision. Got it. So they've basically been in this fight with with the Roxxon Corporation, who were sponsoring a law from the crossover Outlawed called Kamala's Law, because Kamala Khan got injured. She had to hide her identity, so they didn't know she was a teenage superhero. But they blamed teenage superheroes for hurting her, and made a law basically saying teenage superheroes can't be superheroes unless they're accompanied by a sponsor, an adult sponsor superhero. And that kind of but, stretched but over from the... How do they extract that? I thought I thought they can't be registered. Or is this... That's basically they're trying to register teenage superheroes. Got it. Okay. So it, it was... It <laughs> Civil was in War Champions. <laughs> it, was in, it was in Power Pack. Oh, there was already a Civil War too, actually. Oh, God. I don't, I don't know if you read that one. Yeah, it's, it's not as well received is what I'll say. Um, <laughs> Civil War 3. <III. laughs> Josue hated it is what I'll say. So, uh, but yeah, basically it was in the Champions, it was in Power Pack, it was in Spider-Gwen, it was it hit a lot of the teenage books briefly. Uh, Reptile. Um, but this is kind of the end of it where they're able to convince them to re- repeal the law and they defeat Roxxon. It was really fun. I really enjoyed this book. I think you would actually dig this because it is the young heroes and they don't have nearly as much baggage. I know that's your main thing with Marvel books is there's so much baggage to keep track of. But I I don't like the idea of teenage heroes getting the law repealed that they can just run amok on the streets, causing property damage, injuring people and themselves without a guardian. They got that law repealed because that law was unjust. Unjust. Okay. Yeah. It was unjust. It, they would basically arrest them and like. Is like, it unjust for minors to be able to drive without a license? You ruin everything good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like champions. Okay, uh, but I'm I'm very excited. I want more champions. There's kind of a tease at the end that there's still a threat out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. And I just hope Danny Lore is writing it again because because Danny Lore did an amazing job so far. And um, yeah, but um, I really hope champions like comes back and i hope there's more champions because it recently not this series but before that people like dust were members of the champions. congregation okay yeah congregation <laughs> now but she was dust i'm not a fan of that name i don't mind her changing the name but i think congregation's dumb sorry i don't know i don't I just, like it i just hear the foo fighter song every time so i love it so Ugh. yeah but yeah it's just curious i hope they bring back some of the other champions like when when there was like a teenage cyclops running around he was a champion like it was just cool mm-hmm. so all right, that brings us to our next book. A uh, number one, it's actually an alpha, Dark Hold Alpha. So this is the other crossover that just started. So this is about the magic book, the Dark Hold in the Marvel Universe, and someone finds it and chaos ensues. So I got this cover, Liz. Or right, let me do the creative team first. Well, I pulled it up. Um, so it's written by Steve Orlando, drawn by Sian Torme, 
uh, color by Jesus Bartov and letter by Clayton Cowles. So I get this cover, and you see it's Doctor Doom looking at the book, right? Mm-hmm. But I also got this other cover, which is the exact same cover, except it's Wanda looking at the book. That's pretty cool. I like that she's looking at the audience, actually. Yeah, yeah, she's looking up. Yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. So, so basically, they find the book. Doom and Wanda have an argument about what to do with it. And basically, whoever reads this book goes insane. Um, Wanda's like, oh, Wanda- man, it's cool. I'm already there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, basically. Um, Doom is like, I'm going to go fight this demon by myself. Um, but uh, Wanda, is, it, Wanda basically convinces somebody to help her seek out the destined people to help her with this. Um, and that ends up being Iron Man. And they're all given like very tarot names. Mm-hmm. So Iron Man, the dreamer, Blade, the hunter, Wasp, the artist, Black Bolt, the stoic, and Spider-Man, the fool. And so that's obviously Wasp stands out as a strange addition to that group. Um, but sure, that's cool. And basically calls them together and they, they decide, need yes, another we're work female together. character, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's Black Widow. I mean, there's all kinds of people that could have used. It's just Wasp is weird. Powers. Type I know. I was like, aren't there like female character like X-Men that literally the Marvel, do art? Like, <laughs> yeah, the artist. Yeah. Um, well, they could have just made it not the artist, too. I know. So, <laughs> so the story is, is that they have to read a little part of the book to not go mad. And apparently... It didn't work because they all went mad. And so I thought this was going to be the hero team, but apparently they're the villain team. They all transformed to creepy villains. Huh. Okay. And so Wanda has to manage it like right now. <laughs> She's so. like, oops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oops basically. <all>. So. <laughs> so each of, each of them are getting a, a one shot. Mm-hmm. Iron Man, Blade, Wasp, Black Bolt, and Spider-Man. And then we have a, a Darkhold Omega. So that's the the end of it. So it's going to be like a... a Seven part series, but most of them are going to be one shots. Uh, so, kind of curious to see where that goes. I like I like Magic Marvel. That's a fun thing to deal with. So, mm-hmm. we're wrapping up with our X books for the week, um, and my continuing effort to make Liz read every X Men book ever. Um, I know, I know. I don't like Krakoa. I didn't say, I don't like I didn't say successful effort. Yeah. effort. <laughs> um, Hellions number sixteen. Uh, written by Zeb Wells, drawn by Steven Segovia, colored by Rain Borero, and letter by Ariana Mayer. I don't know if they've officially announced Hellions is getting canceled, but I feel like it's getting canceled. Um, so Hellions, Liz, is a group of basically mostly their villains. It's kind of like Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly their villains, but they're led by Havoc and Psylocke. And the idea is... Oh, because Psylocke's going to Marauders, so... <laughs> well yeah well they they hint heavily in this book what's going on but basically they're people they're villains who are kind of out of control can't be controlled on normal Krakoan society and they send them on kind of like the missions where you're probably going to die but Krakoa can bring people back to life so it doesn't matter as much but they're also very vicious so they're actually good at it Mm -hmm. so like they they can go die and and they'll be back and stuff so um they just came off a mission involving Mr. Sinister, who was technically their leader, where they stopped him from becoming immortal. It's a long story short. Um, but yeah, and they slowly start revealing like, okay, Psylocke is not only joining Marauders, but also she became a captain, one of the defenders of Krakoa, one of like the peacekeepers. So you're like, okay. And then Havoc, who has kind of slowly been going crazy, gets a little bit of a chance that maybe he's not going to be in it. I don't want to spoil too much. 
But long story short, basically the group's slowly falling apart. And we're left on a kind of a climactic end with Nanny and Orphan Maker, which I don't want to get into with Liz because <laughs> we'd spend 20 minutes on Nanny. <laughs> Nanny alone. I'll just show you what Nanny looks like okay. and we'll move on from there. Uh, where's a good shot? I'm just Nanny, by the way. I'm just thinking of Granny Goodness. <laughs> much dumber looking. <laughs> I actually adore Nanny. Yeah. But I know your reaction is going to be just. What is she like? The Big Bad Wolf and like a pink nightgown and a cap. What is that? Is that an egg with feet? It's an egg with arms and legs. Oh my God. It is an egg with feet and lipstick. What is yep, this? Lipstick. I know. I know. What is so, this thing? So Nanny this is raises, a mutant. Yes. <laughs> Nanny, Nanny raises orphan mutants, but more often than not, she will facilitate the death of their parents so that they can become. Good orphans. God. Orphan Maker is her uh, her uh, first charge, and uh, he has a big set suit of armor. And he's a full grown man, but in his mind, he's still a little kid, so oh, he still calls her Nanny and stuff. Don't like that. Don't like that. It's, it's it's creepy. It's supposed to be though, but they've become such great characters in this story. It's ridiculous. Like me and Hoswear, like when they announced this book, and they showed they showed silhouettes of each character. Yeah. We were looking at the nanny silhouette, like who the fuck is that? <laughs> like trying to figure it out. And then when it was nanny, I was like, what? And he's like, I don't even know who that is. I'm like, well, I do, but this is going to be an interesting book. <laughs> and then now I'm like, fuck yeah, nanny, get him. Like, <laughs> what? The like at one point, at one point, that face, that yeah. robot face with the lipstick confronted mr sinister mm -hmm. mind you she comes up to his knee mm -hmm. and she's basically like i know how many mutants you've killed i know how many poor children you've made na made orphans and she's just like one day i'm gonna come for you i'm gonna cut your fucking face off <laughs> it was just ridiculous <laughs> i was like what the fuck is happening like, dude i can't wait I, for I, nanny I to make her appearance in the mcu can you imagine fuck it bring it I, i'm down <laughs> the end Let's credits post credits just fucking nanny and orphan maker <laughs> Never, like three great. people in the audience are like woo <laughs> I'd be like fuck yeah <laughs> I excitedly tell you and your husband who he is who they are so um, but yeah I, I dug it I love Hellions I hope it doesn't get cancelled because it's one of my favorite books next up I mean honestly Nanny books. just convinced me I, I kind of want to read this just to see that thing like it, it's also it, it deals with kind of like some of the problems like how they're not going to bring Madeline Pryor back to life because she's just a clone of Jean Grey yeah messed up messed and up and so Basically, well, then I'll get into the spoilers. They reveal the havoc. They're going to review it, and maybe they'll bring Madeline back to life after all. Oh, he's okay. the one who keeps pushing for her to come back. So, in New Mutants, which when we're talking about next, New Mutants twenty two, uh, written by Vidya Ayala, drawn by Rodriguez, letter by Travis Lanham, there is a bit about that tying into it too, because there is uh, in the, there's a thing called the Snicked family. S N I K T, which is the sound that Wolverine makes when he pulls out yep. his claws, right? Mm-hmm. So there's Dokken slash Akihiro, and uh, there's X-23 slash Wolverine, because she's Wolverine now. But there's also a girl named Scout, and she's a clone of Laura, X-23, but very young mm -hmm. and adorable. Mm -hmm. And her codename is Scout, and this is a shot of Scout. Oh, she's cute. She's a little girl. <laughs> she's she's very, very cute. She's adorable. She recently died, and there was Jeez. the debate. Well, there was the debate of should she be brought back? She's a clone. And then like and so uh Wolverine and X twenty three pulled out their claws and they're like, She she comes back. <laughs> 
basically, well, her friends make the point, and then the five, the five mutants that can bring people back to life, mm-hmm. were like, basically, they overrode the council, and they're like, listen, she has a separate Cerebro entry. She is, she's has a different personality. Yep. She's a different person. And so they basically forced, brought her back. And so that's what led Council to the Council of Five said going. clone rights. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what led to kind of the, um, the review of Madeline Pryor. I think, I think they're t- attached to each other. So like, maybe we will think about this, you know? Yeah, so. maybe we will. Maybe we'll, we'll bring back others that, you know? <laughs> so the, uh, the group of young mutants that are in question here, which is Scout, uh, uh, Martha Johansson, the floating, the floating brain, uh, NLA, Cosmar and what is it called? Rainboy? No, not Rainboy. Hydro Boy. I can't remember his name. Um, he's a water-based dude. Um, uh, yeah, it is Rainboy. I was right. Okay. Basically, they're like, we're going to go tell the the Shadow King to fuck off because he's the one that's been manipulating them the whole time. And they show up and realize that the the OG new new means Karma. Uh, Mirage, Wolfsbane, all of them actually confronted the Shadow King and he has overwhelmed them and now it's up to them to save them from the Shadow King. So really cool. I thought I like how they're building up the the different generations of X-Men with this book. This one's very much it takes the place of a school book, but it's not about a school. It's like new mutants are train are in charge of training the younger kids, basically. So um and I just really like the art. I love Scout. I absolutely adore her. She's one of my favorite characters, so I'm really glad she is going to come back and yeah, I'm excited. So, um, yep. That's everything for new means. Wrapping up with my final book for the week is Excalibur number 24. See, so yeah, it's my third X book of the week. Um, so this one is of course written by uh teeny Howard drawn by Marcus toe colored by Eric Arcianega and lettered by Ariana Mayer. So, Excalibur, Liz, is the magical portion of the X-Men where they're dealing with uh, Captain Britain and they have to deal with um, the the whole like other world in Britain, like uh, Camelot and stuff like that. Um, in this case, Psylocke, not Quanin, which is the Asian body of Psylocke, but the other one, the British one, is Captain Britain now. She's taking it from her brother. And so she has to deal with all these negotiations and stuff. Uh, the Excalibur team is a lot of fun, Liz. I think you would actually dig Excalibur because the main members of Excalibur are uh, Betsy as Captain Britain, Gambit, Jubilee, Richter, and Shatterstar, who have been reunited Yay! And, and just hang all over each other the entire time. It's adorable. Um, so, like, literally, like, every shot of them together, one of them is hanging on the other. So you can see Shatterstar, like, all over Richter there. Aww. And then just literally the next page, they're at a fire pit and see the other way around. Like, they're <laughs> just adorable. So Richter is way more comfortable with who he is now. He's not like this angsty dude like he was an X-Factor. So, um, But basically, they're coming into conflict with Merlin and King Arthur, who want them ousted because they're mutants and they just get into a big fight. And it all comes back to Ten of Swords and stuff. So it's really cool. This is the, the, the cover A which is cool. It's Betsy with a bunch of these vampire dudes. They're like primordial vampires. But I got the cover B too, because how could I not give this anime ass cover? Oh, that's cute. Oh, Jubilee. (laughs) That's adorable. Yeah. So also Jubilee has a son who when in, when, when in the magical world turns into a dragon. Nice. So (laughs) yeah, he's adopted by the way. Like she found him. So it's this whole thing. I was going to say, she's still a vampire. 
No. Okay. She has since died and been brought back to life. Oh, that's right. Krakoa. Yeah, that fixed that little retcon. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It, it helps with the continuity to have that. So, um, But yeah, I think that's all my comics. Liz, did you have anything you want to add? Anything else you've been reading you wanted to talk about before we wrap up? I mean, the only other thing I'm currently keeping up with right now is Laura Olympus um, by Rachel Smith. And it's really good. Uh, Persephone is on trial for her act of wrath that she did. And Demeter is also on trial for uh, hiding it. And uh, they're calling. Okay, yeah, there's been a whole thing. It's really cute. Um, It's actually the first time Demeter has seen Persephone in the story since the story began. And it's um, basically a lot of plot threads are all tying up together now. And um, yeah, it's pretty cute. Hades is her lawyer um, because it's like one of the judges is her lawyer. (laughs) It's very much like it's very much like this whole trial is just really ridiculous. But also sham. It's an utter sham. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. But also kind of in character, you know, I I feel like this wouldn't be out of place like in Olympus. And yeah, 100 percent. I can see them doing this weird incestual dumb shit for right? no reason whatsoever except for each other basically but i i have to i mean i don't think we've found like we left off on some real dramatic like it's cool that we're seeing what's happening with the trial but i still want to hope we kind of check back in with eros and psyche pretty soon because like that was very yeah. dramatic where that left off and that was very much a cliffhanger yes it was like- and um anyways i'm curious to see what's going to happen because persephone i mean it seems to me i really don't like the theory that um that that what they they showed us didn't happen so i feel like mm-hmm. you know i really want to know what's going to happen with this whole act of wrath thing like if she did kill all those people um her mother did hide it uh what what's you know how are we going to get out of this so without being punished yeah. or is there punishment i mean i can't imagine they're going to do or punishments to go stay in the underworld where you want to be and where you work like i that's not a punishment <laughs> so yeah. we'll, we'll see how it turns out i guess yeah Nice. Uh, I have also been reading uh, quite a few things. I read the new D&D book. Uh, I'm almost done with it. I love it. I cannot wait to play through it. Uh, We'll see what's going to happen there. I'm very excited. So Um, I also finished the book one of Shadow and Bone, the the Grisha trilogy. I'm on to book two, which has been pretty good so far. Really digging that. Uh, Love the show. It's such a good adaptation. It's really making me power through the books pretty well. So um also i got the uh dave Grohl the storyteller autobiography which i'm very excited to start as soon as i can get through these grisha books um other than that i'm also re-listening to the sandman audiobook volume one because volume two is out and i want to actually get volume um volume one listened to again i only have about an hour and a half left uh so it's pretty much just the shakespearean story at this point and then i'm gonna be good to go but yeah, I know it's a lot, but that's pretty much all I've been reading. Uh, but thank you guys so much for joining us here on We Have Issues. Um, just to give you our quick plugs, you can always find us on Geek Elite Media. On Twitter, that's at Geek Elite Media and at geekelitemedia.com. You can find us on Twitter. Um, the show itself is at WHI Podcast. I'm at WHI Podcast Keith. Liz is at WHI Podcast Liz. Hostway is at Hostway Reads Hostway. You can also find our other show, Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter as well, at Jukebox Vertigo, where we build a playlist every other week using a randomly determined category. 
ironically enough, this last episode was Liz's first episode of Jukebox Vertigo as well. Yeah, double feature. We, talk- <laughs> we talked about music videos, the best songs from music videos, and Liz tested Hostway's patience in a way that made me very happy. It was great. Oh my god, he's so dramatic. <laughs> he is very dramatic, but I love him. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, uh, check that episode out uh, again at Jukebox Vertigo and on Geek Elite Media as well. Uh, but that's everything we have to talk about tonight, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate it. And don't forget to always geek out. Mm-hmm.